It's the early 1920s in America, and science and industry are booming. Joseph Banks Rhine and Louisa Rhine are poised to take advantage. They're a young couple who are smart, curious, and energetic. They're both PhDs from the University of Chicago, Botany and Statistics, and they are ready and excited to explore the newest thing in science, which they find when they attend a lecture by a famous author on this latest scientific field. The lecture is by Arthur Conan Doyle, the author of the Sherlock Holmes books. And Doyle presents on this new emerging science that, just like radio waves and x-rays, is all about the invisible communication happening all around us. J.B. Ryan wrote in his diary that its mere possibility was the most exhilarating thought he had had in years. J.B. and Louisa Ryan had found their new field of study, what they would devote their lives to, a field called parapsychology. ESP, telekinesis, ghosts, poltergeist would be the main thing. But anything that can't be explained. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Alice Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, I'm talking with writer Stacey Horn, the author of Unbelievable, a book about this period in American history where the study of psychic phenomena and the paranormal was serious business at places like Stanford and Duke University. And how J.B. Ryan attempted to find the line where science ended and the unbelievable began. After this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself. You might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at NetCredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. So we'll start with an easy question. Who, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> um, well, I do lots of things, but among them, I write books. So that's Stacy. She has written these deep investigations into some pretty dark territory. She's written books about the history of prisons and psychiatric hospitals, about unsolved murders. She did write a book about singing. By the way, that singing book was supposed to be my happy book. And nonetheless, I managed to find dark stories in the process of researching that book. And her book called Unbelievable, which I read and loved, was all about this period of academic study of telepathy, clairvoyance, even ghosts. 
I also love that just as we started to talk about ghost stories, a black cat crossed <laughs> your path. <laughs> I've got two of them. So let's start our own ghost story back in 1927 when JB and Louisa Ryan are invited to a soiree of sorts. It was at a fancy apartment in Boston. It's the home of a prominent surgeon, but the headliner at this event was the surgeon's wife, a woman named Mina Crandon. But she was better known by the pseudonym she used in her work as a medium, as a communicator with the dead. She called herself Marjorie. She would hold these readings in their very nice apartment in Boston, and she became famous, infamous. Marjorie was famous, or infamous, for making all kinds of strange and unexplainable things happen. She and her husband claimed that they could make tables levitate six inches off the ground. People watching her in dark rooms swore they saw her summon these luminescent orbs. When she talked to the dead, she'd enter these trances, and other people could hear disembodied voices projected around the room. Marjorie? She would sometimes, for instance, conduct these readings naked because she would produce ectoplasm from between her legs. So that's the flavor of what went on. (laughs) JB and Louisa Ryan were curious to see what all the fuss was about. So they went up there and went to a reading. She wasn't naked that night, but she did all these things where it was just clear that she was not authentic. JB and Louisa had gone to see Marjorie with an open mind, and instead they had found this obvious fraud. JB wrote a scathing review that was picked up by newspapers across the country, and he vowed that he would only believe what he could investigate himself in his own laboratory. And he got his wish. In the early 1930s, he was invited by the president of Duke University to move to North Carolina and start running a lab as part of the psychology department. The goal? To determine whether some kind of spiritual or extrasensory dimension to humans actually existed. Anything that could explain, for example, the work of mediums and psychics. Duke had essentially hired him to use the scientific method to see if he could find evidence of life after death. And he thought, well, okay, these people seem to have a way of accessing information that's independent of our physical body. If I can prove that this is real and not a fraud in some way, then it's showing that we have some sort of ability that exists independent of the body, and that means when the body goes there's something that might be able to continue. I also think it's worth taking a moment. Like, you know, this is coming at a time when like radio and the electrification of the world has happened. And so these kind of invisible magical forces have been pulled and harnessed and it's made it possible to communicate across enormous distances with with no even wires anymore. It's like past the telegraph. So I feel like that, it created this period where it sort of felt like we don't know where the boundaries are anymore. Exactly. There was like this tiniest, tiniest window of opportunity within the scientific community to conduct this kind of research. And he was the best person for it. 
JB and a team of researchers, including Luisa, started designing some pretty straightforward experiments to test for telepathy, or essentially for mind reading. He started with a normal deck of playing cards and a test subject. But he immediately ran into some issues. The whole object was, can you tell me what card I have in my hand without seeing it? And they discovered over and over that they could. But it seemed to be there was a bias like towards certain cards. Like people would say like the, the king of hearts more than other cards. So they wanted to develop their own set of pictures that people had no history with. And that's how they came up with uh, the Zener cards. The cards have five symbols, a star, a square, a circle, a cross, and wavy lines on them. And these were the cards that J.B. Ryan used to conduct thousands of ESP, or extrasensory perception, experiments with Duke students. And again and again, in a set of 25 cards, they could um, guess more than what was statistically significant. According to Ryan in the lab, some of the test subjects seemed to be better than average at determining what cards their partner was holding. But it wasn't good enough. People like who are very skeptical are very skeptical of J.B. Rhyme. But there was nobody more skeptical, really, than J.B. Rhyme. So the research team sought to eliminate all the places where bias or error could creep in. They used shuffling machines to shuffle the cards. Subjects weren't told if they got the answer right or wrong. They put the guesser and the person holding the cards in different rooms. Eventually, they ran the whole experiment double-blind. So even the experimenter, um, the guy conducting the experiment, he didn't know what cards were being shown to the student. And they were still able to tell him, to a statistical significant degree, what cards were being shown. And this is where it gets weird. Over the course of three years of research, J.B. Ryan identified eight test subjects who could guess the order of a stack of Zener cards with surprising accuracy. Those individuals participated in more than 60,000 trials of the experiment. And on average, these guessers correctly guessed the Zener cards at a rate 50% greater than what you would expect someone to get just by luck. Over and over again, the research pointed the Rhines to this idea that, at least statistically, something very weird was going on. Something they couldn't explain. At least not yet. Ryan published the lab's research in scientific journals, and the reaction was mixed. Some people seriously engaged with it. The famous computer scientist Alan Turing wrote about ESP in his work on computer intelligence. Others, however, refused to entertain the results and came up with some fantastical explanations to explain them away. People have all these claims of fraud in the lab, and I investigated every claim that I read about, and I still could only find evidence of two. And the two that I found were ones that Ryan found and exposed himself. There was one story I read. One person claimed when they were doing the ESP experiments with students in one room and the experimenter in another room, he claimed that students got up on the ladder opened the ceiling, crawled across, looked down at the cards from the experimenter in the other room. 
someone had responded to that and found architectural diagrams of the space where they did these experiments and showed that it was not possible for the students to have you know broken through the ceiling and crawled through and yet this story continues to this day between the 1930s and 1965 jb and louisa ryan kept conducting research for the duke parapsychology lab louisa amassed the largest ever collection of reports and cases related to parapsychology and she published books analyzing the patterns that she observed in this ever-growing archive Duke's parapsychology laboratory ultimately became famous. Like, everyone in the country knew what the Duke lab was. So whenever anything weird happened, they would write the Duke lab. And the Duke lab saved all those letters. So there's thousands and thousands of letters from the 30s to the 60s at Duke. It's basically a history of everything weird going on in America at the time. Meanwhile, J.B. Rhine ran dozens and dozens of studies, studying everything from psychokinesis, moving objects without touching them, to telepathy and clairvoyance. He became the undisputed leader in this field of parapsychology, to which he had dedicated his scientific life. I think one of the big knocks if you were to talk to to scientists today about this or researchers against his work is that it hasn't been replicable. People have not. This go on. Tell me more. (laughs) So I'm curious because I think this is right. To do science, the whole point is like to do a science, you've got to get make something that other people can set up the same experiment and get the same anomaly or results. And and Am I am I wrong in that it has been replicated? Yes. I'm really curious. About, oh, yes. I am. He, he he fought to get people to replicate it, and for a time, a bunch of people did. And I think I don't. I might have it. Okay. Between so in, th- this is in the very beginning. Between nineteen between 1934 and 1939, 33 replication experiments were conducted at laboratories other than Duke. Twenty of them also had sixty one percent had statistically significant results. But then at a certain point, he couldn't get people to do it because then they felt they would be tainted, tainted as well by giving any credibility by doing, um, trying to do this experiment. My favorite quote um, was this guy, um, Warren Weaver. So he was at this, this conference at Dartmouth on psychology and he got up to say, I'm surprised that you don't have anyone from the field of parapsychology at this conference. And then he said, and then talking about parapsychology, he said, I would like to mention the fact that I find this whole field intellectually a very painful one. And I find it painfully essentially for the following reasons. I cannot reject the evidence and I cannot accept the conclusions. And I just love that because at least he was being mm. honest and not calling Ryan a fraud. He was basically saying the work is sound, but I just can't deal with it. Yeah. Do you feel like he was unfairly discredited? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, regardless of what you want to accept or not, I think Warren Weaver put it best. You know, if you, if you don't want to accept these results, if you don't want to look into them for whatever reason, okay. But don't, you know demean and 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 denigrate his character and his work because of that the 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 work was well done the results are what they are yeah he should be more respected 
J.B. Ryan died in 1980 and Louisa in 1983. Over their years of work, they ran hundreds of thousands of trials. They published numerous works and indeed had their work replicated by other labs finding similar statistical anomalies. It was exactly what the Rhines had hoped to do, to bring the unexplainable into the world of science. It was also not nearly enough. After J.B.'s death, the American Journal of Psychology published an article about the Rhines' life's work. They called J.B.'s death the end of an era, the era where parapsychology was taken seriously as a scientific discipline. Although the parapsychology lab still exists today, it's now called the Rhine Research Center and is no longer affiliated with Duke University. A big thanks to Stacey Horn for taking the time to talk with us. Her book is called Unbelievable, Investigations into Ghosts, Poltergeists, Telepathy, and Other Unseen Phenomena from the Duke Parapsychology Laboratory. I can hear what you are thinking. You want to read it. And I agree. You should. It is great. Uh, Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Sarah Wyman. Special thanks to Gabby Gladney for all their work on this episode. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.